Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you that we've already been able to sing your praise and worship you. And Lord, we, as we come to your word, we want to say that we are here to learn, to be challenged, to be encouraged. Would you speak to us this morning and would you stir our faith as we hear of what you can do? Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Acts chapter 3, it's quite an incredible story, isn't it? What an amazing story of a miraculous healing. And I wonder what kind of thoughts rise up in you as you hear that story and wonder what it might mean for us here in Guildford. So this is the first kind of detailed recorded healing that we get um, since Jesus had left his followers, since he died and gone back to heaven. Um, and we've heard over recent weeks what happened after the resurrection, that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Um, and now they're off, going solo, without Jesus with them physically. And amazing things are happening, aren't they? Thousands of people are becoming followers of Jesus. And there's miracles happening all over the place. Just a few verses before this, it tells us uh, that many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I bet they were buzzing, weren't they? So much good stuff happening. But I wonder what we feel about all of that. I know for me, it stirs up a whole range of emotions. Yes, there's excitement. Yes, come on, God. We'd love to see more of these things happening in our community. But then maybe there's some disappointment and some discouragement mixed in with that as well. Maybe we're wondering, why don't we see more of that? Why, when I pray for healing, does that kind of thing not happen? Maybe there's even some unbelief there. Well, does God even do this kind of stuff anymore? It's not something we hear a lot about. And then, of course, there can be confusion where we've been praying for ourselves or for somebody we love to be healed in this way and nothing seems to have happened. And that can be really painful. So I guess all of us will be somewhere on that spectrum from excitement to unbelief or confusion when it comes to thinking about God working in these incredibly supernatural ways. And in a way, we're all kind of in that place, aren't we? We've been in this season where we've been praying for our friends to come to the Alpha course. We've been praying for opportunities to invite them. And I suspect amongst us, there's those similar feelings. Some of us will be really excited. Maybe a friend has said, yes, they're going to come to Alpha. And that's amazing. But maybe for other of us, uh, where, you know, somebody said, no, thank you. It's not for me. And we feel disappointed. Maybe some of us are even struggling to find a way to invite those people that we've been praying for. There's excitement, there's disappointment, there's confusion. So let's be honest with God about where we are at with all of that this morning. He can deal with it. But I believe God wants to stir our hearts this morning. 
to trust him more, to believe more that he is still a God of miracles, whether that's when we're inviting our friends to the Alpha course or whether um, God is wanting to bring healing to us because his nature is to heal and to save. So I want to start just by doing a really quick uh, check back to see what the Bible says about God and healing, because that's where we want to lean our weight when it comes to understanding this kind of whole area of, of supernatural healing. Our experiences may have jaded us, but let's see what God's word says. Because one of our values here at Emmanuel is that we are followers of Jesus, rooted in the Bible, and empowered by the Spirit. That's one of our core values here. So we don't base our faith just on our experience, but on what the Bible teaches us. And we then expect the Holy Spirit to empower us. So what does the Bible say about God and healing? Well, right back at the beginning of the Bible in Exodus, uh, God tells the people of Israel that I am the God who heals you. It's right back there at the beginning of the Old Testament. And then through the Old Testament, we hear a little bit more about that in the Psalms. Uh, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sin and heals all your diseases. And then we get uh, little stories of healing as well. There's Naaman who gets healed of leprosy, if you remember that story. So there are glimpses all through the Old Testament. And then into the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene. And then the whole kind of healing story explodes. So Jesus is healing individuals and sometimes large groups of people. In Matthew, we're told that he healed every disease and sickness among the people as they came to seek out Jesus. And then Jesus gives authority to his 12 disciples and he sends them out to heal the sick. So in Matthew 10, it says he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. That's a game changer. You'd kind of expect Jesus to be able to heal people. But now the disciples are being sent out and ordinary men and women are healing the sick. And then incredibly, we see that all of us who are followers of Jesus, from those first disciples onwards, have this same authority. Just before Jesus dies, he says, all authority has been given to me. You go and make disciples, baptize them, in, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, which includes healing the sick. He commanded us to do that. And so we then see the stories of miraculous healing continuing through the book of Acts that we're in at the moment and beyond all the way to 2023 here. I was talking to my daughter on the phone last night. She's involved in a, a church in Southampton and they'd had a, a talk on healing recently and she and some friends had prayed for another friend of theirs who had damaged her shoulder and had been on um, quite high amounts of painkillers. She was in a lot of pain. And as they prayed for her that evening, just a week ago, the pain just disappeared straight away. 
and she came off the painkillers and she's been absolutely fine since. God is still doing this stuff today. And the truth is that if we believe in the God of the Bible, it's kind of unreasonable not to believe in miracles. If we believe in the God of the Bible, it's unreasonable not to believe in miracles. The Bible tells us that God not only created the world, but he's sustaining it by his word of power. And of course, the laws of nature, how the world works, is how God normally is sustaining the world by his word of power. Most of the time, God heals us according to the law, normal laws of nature. Think about your body. It's an incredible work of art and science with an extraordinarily complex immune system. It defends us against germs and toxins that would make us sick. And our repair mechanisms know how to heal our bodies. They can kill diseased cells, slow aging, fix broken bones. It's extraordinary. And that's all part of the normal way that God does things. But sometimes, sometimes God chooses to do things differently and outside of the normal rules of nature. In those times, he's still sustaining his world by his word of power but he's doing it in an extraordinary and unusual way. Either way, God is a God who heals us, mostly through the normal ways, but sometimes supernaturally and surprisingly. And so we get to this story in Acts 3, the first kind of detailed account of a, of a miracle of healing. So let's see what we can learn from it. So we've got Peter and John off to uh, the temple to pray. Interesting that they were still going to the temple to pray, isn't it? And Luke, who wrote this book of Acts, decides to tell us that they were going there at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the automatic thing that the readers and the people who were there would have been thinking was, did he tell us this? Because that was the time that Jesus cried out, it is finished, when he was on the cross. Is he wanting us to make that connection, that it's the finished work of Jesus, his defeat of death and sickness on the cross, that makes any of this possible? It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's certainly what Peter makes clear when he goes on to kind of do a bit of a commentary on what's happened later in the passage. In verse 15 and 16, he's very clear. This was the risen Jesus who has done this. So this lame man had been in this place. He was placed there pretty much every day for most of his life. He was around 40 years old, we discover a little bit later. And he, he is carried to this place every day. And he's begging for money. And the interesting thing is that he was probably passed many times before by Peter and John, possibly even by Jesus, when Jesus was alive, as they were on their way to the temple. That's really interesting, isn't it? What was it about this day 
What was it about the timing of this day that made it different? We don't know. The right time for his healing clearly hadn't come before. Jesus hadn't healed him before, but this day was different. And we're going to see that, that what happens when healing happens is that it grows faith in Jesus. So I'm guessing as, as Peter and John were walking along and uh, they catch the man's eye, don't they? They see him. They look at him. I don't know if you're anything like me. If I, if I pass somebody selling the big issue or somebody maybe asking for money on the street, if I'm in a hurry, I confess, I make very sure that I do catch their eye. Because once you've caught their eye, you've got to engage, haven't you? So I'm guessing this, this lame man was thinking, yes, this is a good day. He's caught my eye. He's going to have to engage with me. And then all the more so when, when Peter says to the lame man, look at me. He's wanting to get his full attention. And I bet the guy was thinking, this is going to be a good payout today. I'm going to get a good wad of cash from this guy. But actually, he was going to get so much more than he bargained for. And it's kind of, you know, we read this here, but Peter, Peter's reply to his request for money is crazy. I mean, honestly, can you imagine saying to somebody, we don't have any money, but what we have, we give you. Get up and walk. I mean, it's so incredibly bold, isn't it? He has so much faith in what Jesus can do. And not only does this man get healing from his physical disability, but he begins a relationship with the God who has healed him. We're told that he starts to praise God. This has a real resonance, doesn't it, with the other story that was read this morning in Luke chapter 5. There was another man who didn't realise what he really needed. He thought he needed healing, but his deeper need was forgiveness. And that's what Jesus offered him. And this man in Acts thought he needed But he didn't need that. He didn't even really need the healing. What they both, and we all, most deeply need is to know the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Suffering isn't the main problem that we face. You know, both these men that we read about this morning have since grown old and died. Physical healing is a temporary solution. The deeper need is always for our soul sickness to be healed by Jesus. When he forgives our sin and brings us into a relationship with him, that will last into eternity. So the physical healing brought a deeper spiritual healing for this lame man as he praised God and began his relationship with him. And as the crowds in the temple courts saw what had happened, they too were amazed and wondered at this incredible thing that had happened. And they too turned and praised God. 
So healing grows faith in Jesus. It's not just for healing's sake. It grows faith in Jesus. And secondly, healing is a glimpse into the future. I've already said they had extraordinary courage, didn't they? I wonder, I wonder kind of how it went if they hesitated as they took the man's hand and encouraged him to get up. What were they feeling? Were their hearts beating? Were they nervous? And he didn't, the, the lame man didn't seem to be too tentative either. As, you know, he'd never walked in his life. And he gets up and he's jumping and he's walking and he's praising God. And again, we have to ask, why did Luke give us that little bit of detail? He was jumping. That would have, have taken them back to a passage in Isaiah, which talks about what is going to happen when Jesus comes back to restore everything. And again, Peter refers to this. In, uh, later on in the bit we didn't read, verse 21, he talks about when Jesus comes back to restore everything. And Isaiah talks about that as well. It says, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. That's what this man is doing. He's jumping, he's walking, he's praising, he's leaping like a deer. It points us forward to when every sickness will be healed and every pain will be gone. The truth is that every prayer we have ever prayed for healing will one day be answered for those who believe in Jesus. There's never an answer of no for a prayer for healing. There might be a not yet it's all a question of timing, just as it was for this lame man. Why was he healed on this day and not a year earlier? We don't know. And we don't know for ourselves it will, if it will be this side of heaven, but healing will come for all of us. So physical healings that we see now are there to point us forward to the time when God will restore all things. It's a bit like a trailer for the full film. We get glimpses and some edited highlights to kind of whet our appetite. But when Jesus returns, we'll get the whole deal. So when God created the world back in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, there was no lameness, there was no disease, there was no death. It wasn't part of his original design for the world. But sickness exploded into existence when sin entered the world. It was never how God intended it to be. It was never his plan for us to be sick. He hates sickness and death even more than we do. And someday he's going to deal with it fully and forever. And the last two chapters in the Bible tell us what that's going to be like there's going to be no more tears. There's going to be no more suffering, no more sickness. Healing will no longer be for some people, but for everyone who is followers of Jesus. We'll all be fully healed and restored to enjoy the new heavens and the new earth. 
With this in mind, the, the preacher, Tim Keller, concludes this. He says, are miracles the suspension of the natural order? No. When a blind person is healed or a lame person walked, the natural order is being restored. I love that. The natural order is being restored. It's how the world was intended and how it will be for all eternity. Miraculous healings are the only natural things in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. That's great, isn't it? Healings are the natural thing. So healings now are like a trailer for the full show that is going to be when Jesus comes back. They're a glimpse into the future, and we can expect to see God do them. So finally, this passage gives us some kind of um, guidance in how to pray for healing. I guess most of us here are probably more comfortable talking about healing, hearing about healing, reading about healing, than actually praying for healing. That's the scary bit, isn't it? But if we don't pray for healing, if we don't ask God, we'll never see anybody healed. But if we do pray, we will see people healed. So how do we pray? What do we learn from what Peter did in this passage? Well, the first thing is he was really clear that this was not about him. You know, he said to the people afterwards, why are you staring at us as though this is something we've done? Don't be ridiculous. He was really clear it was Jesus' power. So we don't need to whip up faith or kind of grit our teeth. We know that we are, um, we are praying to a God who is able to do this. It's not about us. It's not about us. And how Peter prayed is really interesting. He commands the, the healing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. It was incredibly fast, incredibly simple. He didn't use a lot of words. And that's exactly what we can do as well. We can just pray in the name of Jesus, be healed, whatever it is we're praying for. And that phrase, in Jesus' name, is really important. It's not like a magic formula. It means that we're praying as someone who has a right to be heard in the heavenlies. We're praying in authority that Jesus gave to all those who follow him. He gave his authority to the church, that's us, to continue the works that he began. And we continue them in his name. So when we pray for healing, it's less a request and more a command to, as we pray with authority. In the name of Jesus, be healed. It's really simple. And then we just need to remember that we don't know God's timing. We can pray with expectancy. We can believe that he can. We know that he ultimately will. And we can trust him no matter the immediate outcome. God sees and he knows and he loves. That is never in doubt. Every prayer for healing will be answered one day. So, healing grows faith. It gives us a glimpse of the future 
and we've got some guidelines in this passage as to how to pray. I pray that God has been stirring our hearts and growing our faith as we've looked at this account of an extraordinary miracle. God is here this morning to be encountered and experienced just as this lame man encountered God and experienced his power. So we're going to have an opportunity to experience God at work this morning. Um, we're going into a time of communion in a moment. And there's two options. If, if you feel like God has been stirring your heart and you're thinking, yeah, I need, I need someone to pray for me for healing. There's something that I know God wants to, um, to work in me. There's something that I know that I need to bring to him. If that's you, there's two things you can do. You can turn to a friend you came with or anybody that you know and just ask them to pray. This is something we can all do. It's not for special people. Um, if you'd rather, there will be people on either side here as you come back from communion who will be ready to pray with you. So please just go um, and wait there and they will be really happy to pray with you um, for healing or for anything else. Um, so we'll do that in a moment. So, uh, yeah, either get a friend to pray with you or go to the sides if you'd like someone to pray with you there. Shall we stand and pray um, before we... Uh, and maybe the band could come up and we're going to be moving into communion. <coughs> Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and to meet with us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here this morning, that you are at work in us and through us. Lord, we know that you are wanting to meet with us today. Would you soften our hearts? Would you give us courage to ask for prayer? if that's what you want for us this morning. Lord, we long to see you at work. We long to hear of your miraculous work in us. Come, Holy Spirit.